Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you once again for joining us. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Veracity Networks. Thank you for believing in me and helping us get this uh, podcast out to many, many people. And I couldn't do it without you. So thank you so much. And I also like to thank uh, my past guests. They're amazing people who have been vulnerable and been willing to share some amazing things with all of us. And the feedback has been phenomenal. And, and so ultimately, I'd like to thank uh, all of you, the listeners. Thank you for tuning in week after week. And, you know, it's successful because of the amazing guests that we have on. And today's no different. Today, we have joining us the author of Dare to Move, Garrett Wood. Garrett, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And uh, thank you to Katie Grimes for connecting us. Yes, Katie, thank you so much for that. And, and Garrett, thank you. I know you're a busy woman. <laughs> you do like 100 things every day. And so I'm just grateful that you were able to fit this in your schedule because you have an amazing story. I mean, you are a ball of energy. You're light. You are, ener I mean, just, I can't wait for people to hear more about why you do what you do. Um, a little background on Garrett. Um, like I said, she's the author of Dare to Move. It's a book about finding yourself and never giving up. She's the CEO and founder of Crossroads of Fitness, and I want to know more about that as well. She's a blogger. She hosts her own podcast called Dare to Move, and we'll, we'll learn more about that. Um, this is the part I love the most. She's a mindset coach, and that's where you and I are, are, are the same. I do the same thing, and, and so we'll have a lot to talk about there. If, mm -hmm. I'm, if I'm correct, you were a gymnast growing up. Is that correct? Absolutely. <laughs> and I want to know more about that because the discipline it takes – to be a gymnast and you'll, you know it better than all of us, but I, I want to talk about that. You've been a bodybuilder. You do coaching programs. Uh, you're, you're soon to be a mom in March. Um, so you've got a lot going on. You've done a lot of amazing things and you really are trying to just really better people in this world. And uh, I'm just excited to have you on. So thank you for, you know, like spending some, uh, an hour with us today. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. I noticed um, in your background, you have the poster that says mindset really big. And I, I oh, couldn't yeah. but notice that because we, uh, we do both share in that. So I'm excited to talk all about it today. Absolutely. Why don't we start, Garrett? Why don't you tell us where you grew up and a little bit about your childhood and your family life? Absolutely. So I grew up in Indiana in a small town called Fishers, which is north of Indianapolis, if anybody is familiar. Okay. I had two brothers close to my age who I'd like to say um, I was the sister on the sidelines um, <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, one of them became a pro snowboarder. The other one played division one lacrosse in Maryland and wow. uh, they're, they're epic people. And uh, my mom kind of helped us all manifest what we were after. And the okay. one thing that stands out to me, um, you mentioned gymnastics is, and that's a whole thing. <laughs> I know anyone listening who's been in gymnastics knows the intensity of the sport and um, how hard it is on your body, but also how hard it is on you mentally. Because yeah. by age 10, I was putting in about 20 hours a week and wow. it becomes like a job. And then some emotions like guilt and shame come up when hmm. you start to feel like you don't necessarily love it. And what's, what I remember about my mom is her saying, you know, you don't have to go. You, you don't, this is on you. You know, it doesn't, it does, it's not about yeah. me. And she made that really clear hmm. at a really young age. And I thought that was pretty powerful recently as I was reflecting because at the time it made the decision very hard for me because I was like, Whoa, mom's not going to make this one for me. <laughs> right. uh, it's on me. But 
wow, what a powerful thing. Because two years later by sixth grade, when I realized, okay, yep, it's not for me. I knew it wasn't for me undoubtedly. And that Mm -hmm. amount of sovereignty I was able to experience and the call it fallout of, of not being a gymnast anymore. And that identity crisis at age 12, which sounds so (laughs) silly, but I think we can all relate to those moments, um, was really powerful at a young age. So, um, grew up in Indiana, grew up doing extreme sports with my dad. Parents were divorced at a young age, both of them happily married. I like to say, I believe in divorce as much as I believe in marriage from their case. Uh, just I say grow up as I was growing up, they had me at 25. Um, so they weren't entirely <laughs> young, but, uh, sure. as they have found their life partners, it's been really cool for me as an adult to see them find true love and be really happy. Yeah, so, um, yeah, divorced parents, brothers. And then I have the beautiful surprise of a four-year-old brother <laughs> because okay. my uh, dad and stepmom decided after 10 years of marriage that they were, she's <laughs> a little bit younger and they're after 10 years of marriage, they're like, let's do it. So I have a four-year-old brother who is amazing right and he's going to be a great uncle. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's really, so it sounds like though, you know, when you mentioned your older brothers that you guys, you guys were really driven, it sounds like. And, and, but at the same time, you mentioned that your mom was almost like, Hey, you know, if you don't have to do these things or whatever. So where did that drive come from? Do you think? It's really interesting because my mom was not a pro at anything. She's a very good tennis player, but she just exposed us to a lot of things. The only thing she ever made us do, uh, all of us was gymnastics and ice skating. And, um, it was more just for those coordination skills when we were little and when the, (laughs) you know, I don't know if anyone listening has this experience, but a lot of those sports want to swoop you up when you're young and make you go all in. And so that conversation as um, my dad was in the military, so he was always kind of far away. She had to like really pretty much ask the four-year-old AKA me, like, do you really want to do this? Because this is a big commitment. And so Um, I think it was just having those conversations of what do you want really young that allowed us to discern what is aligned and what's not. And the only thing she actually forced me to do ever was take tennis lessons because she had to teach them and she didn't have a babysitter. (laughs) And what's hilarious about that is I hate tennis (laughs) because she made me do it. So (laughs) I think the drive came from curiosity uh, and she did, you know, she, I don't want to say broke her back literally, but she worked her butt off to allow for us to have those experiences, um, and, and, uh, explore our curiosity. Wow. That's awesome. You know, um, so you, you know, I've studied, like I said, I've, I've, I've watched a lot of your videos. I've gone through all your stuff and you're, you come across as this very confident individual and which isn't surprising, but I, were you like that as a young girl too? Did you have this confidence or did you find yourself struggling with that as you were growing up? I love this question. I think I struggled with disorder. Well, I know I struggled with disordered eating and a lot of body image issues throughout high school. I mean, it started really young, um, as far back as seventh grade. I remember, well, as far back as gymnastics, I remember having a, a tummy that other girls didn't have. And uh, and cheerleading in seventh grade, getting the biggest size cheerleading skirt. So there were a lot of metrics I was looking at to compare myself to the world. And um, I became very self-conscious of that. And I'm sure in your practice, you've talked about this, but um, when we look at shadow values, I, I kind of had a strong shadow value of control from a young age because 
control wasn't something I was able to integrate given that I had virtually a single mom. Dad was overseas or somewhere. She had three kids going three different ways with sports. I couldn't control if she could cook us a healthy dinner or show up to pick me up on time. Or sometimes if we could pay for the the cheerleading on time and without having that control at a young age, when I tried to start integrating control through high school, um, it came off in in an unhealthy integration, which was disordered eating and just an over-exercising. Um, it quote unquote worked in the sense that I was thinner. So I had this false ego of appearance, uh, confidence, you know, on the homecoming court, but I was crying in the bathroom stalls. So there was this, these two sides to that story of confidence. Um, and I think I really gained confidence through my twenties and, and really exploring the different parts of myself. I hadn't allowed myself to explore before. Yeah. Wow. That, that that was very well said. And it's kind of uh, heart wrenching too, you know, picturing you in the bathroom stalls crying. And I think we, uh, this happens more often than we realize with kids, you know, we all try to put on a mask that everything's great. I'm, I'm look at me. I I'm fine. I'm confident. I'm powerful. But when we get alone, sometimes that's when like reality kind of hits of this belief system we may have about ourselves that, Hey, I'm just, I'm trying to stay above water. And so to to picture you doing that crying in a bathroom stall, I mean, I think a lot of people listening to this right now can relate to that. Yeah. It's, um, it's also really, I think for me, um, been a rocky road in my relationship with my dad Mm -hmm. and understanding that, um, my worthiness comes from within and not from a parent because again, our voids become what we value and relationship with my dad was such a void in my early life that I craved it so strongly. Um, but I had all these beliefs that he wasn't, you know, he could never win basically. (laughs) If he showed up on time, he was wearing the wrong thing. If he didn't come at all, then, you know, he sucks. So that was another part of my, um, confidence as well. And those parts of ourselves, like you're talking about, we don't want to acknowledge. I think we find in, you know, call it the bathroom stall, but it's in, in truly what I've been exploring on my podcast um, over the last year, which is stillness. And how do we find mm-hmm. the courage to, um, to be still enough to confront what's in the proverbial like cave or basement of our minds? Right. Well, why don't you talk a little bit about that? What do you, you know, our listeners might not understand exactly what you mean by stillness. Will you explain that? Sure. So the backstory that feels important to share is dare, dare to move. Right. So dare to move to me was I'm scared and I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going (laughs) to keep trying. I'm going to reach around in the dark. I'm never going to give up. And while that was really empowering on a level of getting me to find some things I liked and things I didn't like, it was also a very frantic lifestyle and it was very much fight or flight and then reactive to the world. So dare to be still, which is the second book I'm working on, and what stillness, which is what we've been focusing on on the Dare to Move podcast, is this notion of getting quiet and being okay with not doing while you figure out who you're being. So for yeah. some people, stillness may look like, I'm sure you guys have covered this on your show, but journaling, meditating, um, quiet walks in nature, um, looking at your shadow self, understanding the parts of yourself. I give this example a lot because it's easy, but it's like, you know, if you started dyeing your red hair blonde when you were 13 to make peace with the fact that you're actually a red redhead (laughs) and and that's okay. Right. And then you won't be triggered when you see redheads in your sphere. So understanding your triggers, understanding what voids you had as a child, understanding your values, your shadow values, all those things 
really sum up to understanding who we are, then we can dare to move from a place that's aligned and not that reaching around in the dark. Wow. Very well said. I love that. You mentioned um, you started feeling a little more confident in your 20s. What did you start doing at that point? Like, what was your life like in your 20s? So in my 20s, I had like, I think a lot of people, I shouldn't um, stereotype, but in the Midwest, or at least where I was raised, it's like, you got to get your ducks in a row. You get a job with the 401k, you check all the boxes. And I had this plan. And then out of nowhere, a company hired me for a job. And I was like, well, they're offering more money. It sounds great. Um, Long story short, I clearly wrote a book about it. Uh, (laughs) It moved me to Boston and my whole plan was turned upside down. And in that moment of, okay, I can do anything for a year. I had to really become resilient and trust myself to navigate a new city, which was kind of like a level one. And then as soon as I signed a lease to stay in the city that I kind of hated, but I was still (laughs) in the scarcity mode of like, well, the job's going to pay me and I got to make money and I got to hustle. They fired me. So I was in a city I didn't like ego crushed, let go. And, um, and then like, whoa, here's the silver lining. I get to create this life. And I had already started, um, blogging and, uh, doing some, uh, fat loss and transformational, like body transformation coaching on the side. So I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm going to put a bunch of pieces together and live this portfolio lifestyle and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was a summation of all of those steps of self-trust and courage and willingness to actually do these steps they got me to a point where I was like, Oh, I, I'm okay. I'm yeah. okay. Like I can do wow. this. Wow. I love that. I love that. I'm okay thing. Um, it's one of the things I uh, teach my clients all the time. Like I'll be sitting across from a heroin addict and I'll say, uh, you're not going to believe this, but you're okay. <laughs> they Look at me like I'm crazy. Right. But I love that you said that. And I think, you know, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, because you probably have a little more knowledge about this than I do. But in that stillness, isn't that when we typically recognize we're okay? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, it's sort of like a roller coaster for the people for the first time. Right. Like when we look at what's, and it's so funny, I did a little tune in before our talk today and I saw an image of a cave and Uh I was like, well, what's in the cave? I'm like, oh, that's our shadow. That's the stuff we don't want to look at. Right. And if we look at our um, shadow values of like money, sex, control, attention, belonging, superiority, validation, those things can be confronting, right? If I looked at you and I was like, Todd, you're really controlling that Mm -hmm. would, that wouldn't feel good. Or you should, you're, you're needy. Why, Why don't you feel like you belong? And so sometimes when we first sit down in the stillness, the reason we're avoiding it in the first place because the shadow of voice is going to get to work and tell us all those awful things. So I think that at first it can be confronting and scary. Um, And then, and then once we, we have that moment, like you said, like I say, call it a reality check, like open your eyes, notice that you're actually safe in your house, (laughs) wherever you are or in your car or in nature and be like, okay, I'm okay. Like you said, and then go back to it and kind of face for lack of a better term, face the demons. Yeah. Wow. Very well said. Well, so you're, you're a mindset coach. Um, describe that. And then how did that come about? Because here you are, you move to a new place, you get fired. You're kind of like, okay, what am I going to do now? Is that kind of when things started opening up for you to, to, you know, to become a mindset coach or were there other things that you were doing? Cause I know you're really into fitness. You've been a trainer, all that stuff. So kind of tell us all that, how that all came about. 
Yeah, of course. So if anyone listening is familiar with human design, I'm a projector. Uh, projectors are typically coaches, teachers. I'm sure you yeah. guys are. Uh, and I was, I'm like a quintessential projector. Like my mom would tell me something. I'd go to kindergarten the next day and tell the whole class. So throughout everything I've ever done, I'm always learning and projecting. So, uh, started with fitness. And the first thing I did when I got to Boston, which actually I did this before I even had a place in Boston is I auditioned for Barry's bootcamp and wow. I was teaching fitness classes there, which was kind of in my own, uh, you know, world and uh, fitness was sort of like the peak. It's like, you've made it as a fitness yeah. instructor. I have been doing it for like, however many years prior, like, okay, I've made it. I'm at Barry's bootcamp. And, um, I also happened to date a guy. It, it was a toxic relationship, but he helped me start a business. Cause he was like, why don't you coach people? Everyone's reaching out to you asking for your protein shake recipes on Instagram. Right. Yeah. So back in 2014, I actually started my online business called crossroads of fitness. Mm. And I coined a program called dare to eat because there was just this intuitive notion that in order to make any sort of change, it feels like a dare. It feels like yeah. jumping from a cliff. So people have to dare to eat. And especially a lot of the women who may be listening, uh, people who have a chronic dieting history, a, a lot of times the hardest part of eating is actually eating enough. And yeah. so yeah. I, I kind of created this program called dare to eat. And that first year in Boston, that was only supposed to be one year. And here I still am. <laughs> Uh, seven years later, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, the program, I realized I was making a lot of money. I had made like $20,000 or $30,000 on the side of my salary job. Wow. And it was a lot of, um, holding people accountable, being present, asking questions and helping them get the results they wanted. So I use my kind of like safety net of this savings from my business that I hadn't, I didn't really mean to create a business. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I can stay in Boston. I can personal train. I can coach fat loss, et cetera. And what ended up happening is about 2017, I got really frustrated and I was like, I'm not making the impact I want because mm. people aren't, this isn't sticking. It's a changed work. It's masculine structure, but if they don't deal with the content and the stories and the stuff in their mind, yeah. they will not overcome what... <laughs> What got them here in the first place? Uh, they will sabotage their results. Right. And so I, I basically was like, I want to teach people how to eat for the rest of their lives. So I'm going to ask people to let me do the mindset work on them and ask them the harder questions. So phase one was just really asking people, can I do a little bit of this with you? Mm -hmm. And then um, I sort of set the intention to start working more with. So the other part of this is that all the people I was meeting in Boston were high performers venture capitalists, financial yeah. people, attorneys, doctors. I'm like, there's something here that yeah. these high performers still have major blocks. So I got training through like not a formal course, but a, right. inc an incredible teacher and um, actually three incredible teachers. And I sort of learned through the way they taught and the way that they taught about the brain that how to help people with this. And as soon as I set the intention I started getting clients. I believe you attract what you are. And when you're ready for it and it's aligned, um, yeah. your reality shifts to have that happen. Wow. I love that. You attract what you are. I couldn't agree more. And I, you know, as you're sharing this little part of your story, I keep going back in my mind, you know, again, even though you didn't, you know, continue being a gymnast, but the discipline that you learned 
and the hard work and everything you went through there was kind of like a training ground along with the other things too, with what you dealt with, with the divorce and everything else. But it was almost like all of this was preparing you to be in the chair you're sitting in this very moment, right? Like, and to be able to have that influence and impact, uh, like you said, that you wanted to have on people where it's lasting change and not just some, you know, felt good for a moment and now it's gone kind of thing. Absolutely. The one thing I didn't share is that for three years, I taught 5 a.m. at Barry's boot camp. Uh, <laughs> so I used to get up at 3.30 and that's when I'd write my book because as soon as I would teach the five, uh -huh. I would then go work out and then I would teach a spin class at seven and then I'd have to do a real estate job that that's a side note, but I ended up getting picked up by a different real estate company a year into my Boston adventure, a second year in Boston. Uh -huh. um, which was a really great experience, but it was a full-time job. And so it was like, <laughs> all, there's all these steps. And um, I think to your point, I'm sure what you teach a lot of is your mind's a really powerful thing. And there were moments where I was like, I can't do this. I'm exhausted. This sucks. But then I'd be like, there's about to be 30 people walking through that door who need me. Yeah, and they right. may hold the key for my future. I had this instinct that there was someone that was going to come through that door at Barry's boot camp that held a key for my future. And I kid you not when I say this, I met my fiance through Barry's bootcamp, a client. <laughs> I got all my clients for my business from Barry's. And to this day, I get people that reach out like, oh, I know you from this person who knew you from yeah. Barry. So you're always in the right place at the right time, as long as you're being your most authentic self. I really believe that. Dang, that's incredible. And this, you know, for people who don't know what Barry, Barry's bootcamp yeah. is, I didn't know what it was to be honest with you. So I looked it up. And watched a few of the videos. Boy, that is an intense class. That's not yeah. like, that's not for the faint in heart. You got to go in there and be ready to rock and roll, right? Oh, yeah. It's like one <laughs> of those beast mode situations. Uh, but what's cool about that company is they've been around since 98. You know, they yeah. were group fitnessing before a lot of people, before boutique fitness was a trend and yeah. um, really renowned in their work. They're global, you know, they're all over the world and um, they do, they have really good values and ethics. So I'm very proud yeah. of that company. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Incredible stuff, Garrett. Um, so what do you see when you're meeting with your clients? What do you see? Like, if there is like, do you see a common thread between your clients who are struggling? Like, is there something that stands out with all of them? Like, you know what, everyone seems to be struggling with this, whether it's the narrative, the story they're telling themselves, does anything stand out to you when I say that? Yeah, I think there's a few things. Um, I believe based on the fact that we attract who we are, I can always pull a theme with something I'm personally working on mm -hmm. that's coming up because we're all mirror, right? We're all yeah. connected. So there's that level of it that I notice, and that varies obviously, but I have all my clients do the Enneagram. And in 2020, I worked with nine different type sixes. Uh, out of, you know, probably 22 <laughs> people I worked with one-on-one. -on -one. Right. So I was like, huh, this is a thing. There's something here with type sixes who deal with doubt. I'm a type seven and a lot of type sixes will trend up towards a type seven, mm -hmm. which is the enthusiast at times. So I was re very well suited to be kind of the big sister to a lot of these type six people. Okay. And um, to that point of doubt, one of the things I look at is when, when I help my clients find their limiting beliefs, let's say it was, I am fat or I am alone or I am poor. Typically any limiting belief that you have can fall under like two umbrellas, right? It's either fear of rejection 
because we could put fear of failure is also fear of rejection right? or fear of not being loved. Like I'm unworthy yeah. of love. I'm unworthy of the job. It's still fear of not being loved. Um, so this unworthiness factor, there's usually something there, you know, you could be yeah. a millionaire, billionaire and still not feel good enough. Um, if yeah. you haven't done the work to understand yourself. Yeah. That seems to be a pretty common theme too. Uh, just people just, again, they don't think they're good enough and therefore I'm not worthy of, you know, having love in my life or being loved by someone. What, you know, if there's someone listening to this right now that might be struggling with that very thing, what's mm -hmm. something that you could tell them that they could maybe, you know, maybe spark them to, you know, maybe move forward a little bit and try to work on that. Yeah. I think the first thing is figuring out which area of your life it's showing up in the most consciously. So mm -hmm. you may be coming, cause a lot of times I'm sure you've experienced this. Somebody comes in saying, you know, I'm here because this isn't working in my job. Right. And you start peeling back the onion and you're like, oh man, there's an issue with your sexuality <laughs> or like, yeah, oh, yeah. there's this thing over here. So the more that you can um, figure out where else it's showing up in your life, you can start to draw parallels and see how this part of the back of your brain is really like a computer system that's going to output the same yeah. result every time. Right. So if it's, I'm fat then if you have trouble breaking your habit of eating Doritos, even if you do a whole 30, you're probably going to go back to doing yeah. something that's going to create the outcome of you manifesting a body that you are self, you know, determining as fat or unworthy. Right. So really figuring out where is it showing up? What other places is it showing up? And then bringing it to light and bringing consciousness to it. Because once we realize how prevalent it is, it's almost right. shocking. And you're like, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> and then we can catch ourselves so I like to call it that killing it with consciousness. Ooh, Obviously there's like also, thank you. There's also ways to do this with mental and emotional release through, um, I think it's Dr. Matt James, the NLP practitioner that has been really powerful in my practice, doing more sessions with people and then, um, grounding into reprogramming and looking at how do we build those new neural pathways of what do I want to program instead? And that yeah. comes into, you know, the dream work, the vision work and the fun stuff. Wow. Oh, love it. Love it. Love it. So what does your day look like, Garrett? I mean, what do you do to keep yourself? I mean, you're helping a lot of people. You're busy. I mean, you got so much going on, but what do you do to keep yourself, I guess, grounded, so to speak, and, and centered and feeling, you know, you know, like the, the, again, that you're worthy of love and all that stuff. So yeah. what do you do? What does your day look like? I guess. <laughs> well, first I must proclaim that we all will continue to always be triggered, right? The rest of our life. So I still get <laughs> triggered. I have all these things coming up all the time, but uh -huh. it's sort of like, you know, once we get embodied and feel in our body, then we can notice when those feelings come up before our mind jumps to make meaning and being like, I'm angry or I'm sad, or I should react or I should yell. It's like, yeah. you can really be attuned to those physical sensations. So <clears throat> based on my background, a lot of it comes back to movement first and foremost for me, um, okay. whether that's just 20 minutes, 15 minutes, a walk around the block, getting active gets me grounded. I also have like crystals around my desk. Um, if okay. I can't, can't be grounded in that way. Um, I do have a practice of, um, I have like a spiritual, it's not technically tarot. I think it's, um, Rebecca Campbell's deck. So today I oh, pulled yeah. a card called baby steps, right? So mm. that could be something the listeners take with them, baby yeah. steps, taking those aligned actions. Um, and then I think just understanding what tools are best for you. So there's some days that I journal 
because I'm like, I need to get my thoughts straight. And there's some days that I talk it out with my, um, fiance who he now knows that as a projector, sometimes I just need to say a bunch of stuff and for him to nod. Right. He doesn't need to, I just need to hear my thought talk. So um, <laughs> understanding yourself and knowing what tools where you can access are really helpful. <laughs> That's funny. I love that. That's great. Well, you know, and again, cause I think a lot of people, you know, when they, when they look you up and they see what you do for a living and how you live your life, I, th- I mean, I know where my head goes when I see someone like you, I'm like, man, I love what she's doing, but what does she do? What does she do behind the scenes kind of thing? You know, and what does that look like? Because that's the part I want to, I want to emulate if that yeah. makes sense, you know? Absolutely. I think for me, um, it's, I've always been a morning person. I don't get up at three 30 anymore. Thank goodness. Uh, but I do get up and I spend time. Um, I used, I forget how I phrased this years ago in my book, but I always say like, um, choose your own adventure on Google, like see what you want to Google. If you want to Google stuff about astrology at 6am, mm-hmm. there's a clue. Yeah. There's a, clue. maybe you're in a seeking phase of your life. So I love watching that's personal share. Actually. I love watching astrology videos and I yeah. love um, exploring my own spirituality. Um, I love meditating. And so for me, it's usually, um, I always book my clients the week before. So I know what my week looks like. Okay. And then I kind of build my schedule day to day. My podcast listeners know this joke that I, I joke that my podcast should be called the pink robe towel podcast, because <laughs> whenever and wherever I can squeeze a shower in during the day, my ideas come so quick and so strong that I literally run down to my office in my pink robe towel and I start recording. Uh, so I, I have a very fluid lifestyle in that way um, where I create space for um, I'm not very regimented like I used to be, which I actually like. I just, I work around my yeah. clients three blocks. I don't schedule them obviously in times I don't want to meet like right. seven at night. Sure. Um, but I, I try to make sure I'm walking. I try to make sure I'm podcasting. And the biggest lesson for me in 2020, as far as letting go of proving um, is that if I'm being who I really am, my day will always flow. So for instance, I studied journalism and storytelling in college. podcasting is easy for me. People are like, how do you crank out all these episodes? I'm like, because (laughs) it's who I am. It's just how I'm being, you know? But if you ask me to go, I don't know, do something else, I would be dragging my feet and I'd be so frustrated and it would be hard to be productive. So I think when you're attuned to like what you love and who you really are in your true essence, um, things can flow. I love that. So what kind of coaching do you provide? I mean, when we say mindset coaching, that can be kind of broad. And I know you kind of hone it in on certain types of coaching. Will you uh, let our listeners know what that is and and why you do those things? Absolutely. So if we look at the roots of my coaching career and fat loss and physical body transformation, I definitely will never abandon that. That still exists. If somebody wants to transform the way they look, I will absolutely give them the tools to do that. However, I make sure that they opt into allowing me to do the one-on-one mindset coaching or a solo guided online course I created for them to do it on their own while working on the fat loss component. So body and food relationship is how I do mindset coaching in one silo. The other silo is more career and business focus. And that's sort of split between 30% executives, like we're either running their own company that has a a team uh, or being a C-level employee. Uh, or solopreneurs. I've had, and I, I joke, I was saying this earlier today with a client. I'm going to post about it tonight. Um, 
that I've done spiritual niching, which means whatever you are, you attract, yeah. right? Yeah. So I started attracting a lot of solopreneurs and helping them understand this wow. work-life balance, creating the life they love and how to put themselves out there in those early steps of being a business and how do we separate ourselves and our business when we're solopreneurs? Because we are not our business, but we are running a business and it's hard to draw that line yeah. when, when you well, I work with people a lot on that in the executive side. Wow. That sounds awesome. That's amazing stuff. So, you know, again, you, you do mindset coaching and things like that. Are you, do you do any fitness coaching classes anymore or, you know, you're doing that Barry's class, but are you doing anything else like that anymore? No, I'm not. So <laughs> I guess the way in which somebody can access that for me is if they are a one-on-one client. Um, I, I was a competitive power lifter and I have every strength certification, you wow. know, in the book. So if wow. somebody's like, Hey, I want you, I want bigger glutes. I can write a scientific based program for them to get bigger glutes in the gym. Um, okay. but now instead of just being like, Oh, you want bigger glutes? I'll write the program. Here you go. I'm like, well, let's unpack why you want bigger glutes first. Yeah. So there's that, that side. Um, I do also, it's sort of on pause, but I was the head, not head, but the most listened to audio fitness instructor for a company called move with where you could wow. basically just work out to my voice and mm. move with recently sold to under armor. And so my voice may be resurfacing this year. We'll see. Cool. Uh, they're awesome. integrating to platforms. So people yeah. can take all the classes. They used to be able to find me at Barry's. Now they could find me. I don't know what the app will be called yet, but um, they can find my voice and my treadmill workouts and, uh, strength training workouts, um, on this app in, in later this year. Well, that says a lot. That's quite the honor to, to be in that position really, you know, because again, your energy, your passion. Fun. Yeah, I bet. That's awesome. The power yeah. of voices, as you know, the power of voices. Yeah. It's insane. It's amazing. Well, I'm going to ask you a little tougher question right now. If I was, how do you answer this? What is your why? Oh, that is such a hard question. <laughs> My why is I want people to believe in themselves. I want people to know and believe that what they want to achieve or the way they want their life to look is absolutely possible. Mm -hmm. And I think I flirted with the idea for a long time, right? I flirted with starting a business. Maybe it'll work. I don't know. I accidentally made money or maybe this guy will be Prince Charming and maybe I'll write a book. And my, yeah. I guess the book's the greatest example. I didn't believe I was worthy of a publishing deal. And so yeah. I self-published, which, you know, the journey is the point. It all made sense. I learned sure. so much, but um, I, I don't want anyone to go through what I've been through with flirting with different things and not trusting their own sovereignty. So yeah. that's my why. Okay. Beautifully said. I like that a lot. <laughs> that's beautifully said. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of already asked this question already, but I'm going to change it up a little bit. If there's someone listening to your voice right now, who is in a really dark place, they are, mm -hmm. you know, you know, with COVID and everything that this country and this world has been going through for the last year, there's a lot of people, and you probably know this too, with your clients, a lot of people struggling with anxiety and depression and, you know, suicide rates are off the chart, unfortunately, but if there's someone listening to your voice right now, Garrett, who is in that position where they just feel, you know, on some sense, hopeless, what could you tell them right now to, to maybe help them come out of that a little bit? 
I think a couple things. First and foremost, that this is part of the journey. It wouldn't be happening if it wasn't going to be very meaningful. Uh, one of my favorite guests was this homeless race car driver I interviewed named Christian Alexo. I met him in Indianapolis oh, um, wow. near the 500. And um, he put himself through high school living through a storage container. And he kept saying, you know, the universe owes you. The universe owes you. This part of my journey counts and it matters. And that always stuck with me because I can look back and we all can do this, right? We can look at a hard thing and then look at what, what came out of that on the other side. So a lot of people who talk about spiritual awakening, for instance, say it starts with the dark night of the soul mm. or for the hero's journey. It starts with a calling. And right now you may be experiencing some physical sensations in your body that you're labeling as anxiety or depression because that's what it feels like to you. And that is your dark night of the soul that is to be alchemized for your own true, like highest potential. And yeah. so one of the biggest things that helped me in my journey recently, actually, was letting go of labels, right? I always said, I'm an asthmatic. I've been an asthmatic my whole life. I've been hospitalized all these times. My brain had all this data for why I was an asthmatic. Um, and it, it, my relationship with my asthma even changed by saying, I experience asthmatic symptoms sometimes. And what's really interesting, and I learned this also last year, a lot came through last year with the stillness work, uh, yeah, right. is, is that, um, you know, there's two things about physical sensations. Our mind is like, has patterns in our brain, like a dog. I don't know if anyone has a dog, like notices in the summer, their grass is like worn down because the dog always follows the same path, yeah. right? Like they do not stray from the path. Our brain's the same way. And yeah. so you may, I was somebody who would get those butterfly type feelings. And as I would describe it, my mom would say, oh, that's your adrenaline. That's so exciting. You've got a big meet today. Whereas if she had said, oh, you must be really anxious and nervous. I would have learned to label those raw sensations differently. And when we can go into our body and figure out where are these raw sensations, this is all, you know, one of my biggest learnings from my teacher, I'll give her a shout out, Alexandra Joy Smith. Nice. Um, where, where are those sensations? Are they near your root chakra? Are they near your heart chakra? And how are you labeling them? Because it, butterflies on a first date can also feel the exact same way if you boil it down to nerves before a big presentation. And interestingly, yeah. in my experience, heartbreak and that burn in your heart when you're going through heartbreak feels the exact same way when you are in feeling intense love for someone. And that one hit me hard because I felt heartbreak at five years old when my dad had to go serve in the air force in Korea. Yeah, wow. And I know that feeling because I felt it again. Like a lot of your listeners probably have during breakups or not getting the job or feeling like I failed. Right. We know what heartbreak is. Right. And then yeah. last summer, my teacher held this spiritual meeting between my mom and I and my unborn baby. And we had to do eye gazing and I'm holding my mom's hands and we're gazing in each other's eyes. And I'm like, tearing up with this just like overwhelming love for her. And in that moment, my heart was like on fire. And I, wow. I had to pause. I was like, this is what it felt like with heartbreak too. Wow. And guess what? It's the same raw sensations. It's just how we label it and how we make meaning of it. So if anyone listening is going through something really, really hard, understanding that you can alchemize those raw sensations through breath work. You can move mm -hmm. through them. And the story you create is the reality. The story you make is the reality you create can be really helpful. 
Like my heartbreak is opening my heart so I can be there for someone else or my, this burning sensation might actually be, I could label it heartbreak, but maybe it's just the love that I still feel for this person and not knowing where to put it. Where can you put it? Right. And asking yourself these questions. Um, so again, just going into your body and, and listening to your body versus staying stuck in your mind and trying to make meaning of it. Um, your body has a lot of insight for you. Yeah, great. I'm glad you said that. And I'm sure if someone who's struggling listening to this right now, that's what they needed to hear. That was really well said. You know, you. I know that, uh, you know, I've heard, you know, and I, I even teach at times with my clients that, you know, they'll say they're, they're nervous. And I say, well, you could actually start saying you're excited because it's the same biological response. You're just changing the meaning. Yeah. And it's exactly what you just said, but I've never heard it said like you just said it about heartbreak and love and how it can feel the same way. And that, that was powerful. That hit me hard when you said that, I was like, man. And, but as you're saying it, I'm like, it's ringing true to me when you say that. So I know people listening to this will be like, wow, I needed to hear that. So thank you. Thank you. It's, it was a big learning for me last year. Awesome. Well, if, if there's people out there that want to reach out to you and ask you a question, or they want to find out, I know you got some programs and maybe a training coming up that I want you to mention. What's the best way for them to do that? So on Instagram at Garrett, and then the letter N for Nicole and Wood. So Garrett and Wood, you can DM me anytime. I'm really quick to respond. Um, I love, I love connecting with people on Instagram. And then on my podcast, if people are interested in getting a taste of my teachings or diving in deeper on some of the stillness stuff, I have a ton of solo casts. I have a ton of interviews with really wise people, just like you um, have all this great insight for people um, to explore. Yeah. So the Dare to Move podcast. Um, and then my website is garrettnicolewood.com and they can fill out a form. If I, I give free clarity consults, um, especially if someone's never had a coach and they're like, well, I don't know if I want to buy one or invest in one because I've never experienced this. So um, I do that. Uh, and then- I am um, launching, well, it's live now if someone wants to do it on their own. It's called the Dare to Eat 2.0 Life Coaching for Food Program. Okay. It is designed to help you heal your body relationship and your food relationship. So the idea is to get off the, you know, stop using the bandwagon, so to speak, yeah. and really get onto your forever path with food. Um, and I can send you links um, if you want to share that with people. Yeah. Um, they could probably Google Dare to Eat Life Coaching for Food and find it. Um, okay. And it's also linked through my website. And then I have a group version um, that's launching February 1st because I believe that um, when we come together in community, it's not for everybody, but for a lot of people, it can be really helpful to hear other people's experiences too. Hence why we do interviews right? <laughs> uh, exactly. versus going in alone. So there's a group option for the Dare to Eat okay. 2.0 program launching in February. Yeah. Well, like I said, listener, I told you, this is a busy woman, man. She's doing a lot and she is, she's amazing. And Garrett, I, I want to thank you for taking time today to share a portion of your life with us. Um, I've felt inspired by your words today and I know our listeners will as well. And I just, I don't know how, I mean, thank you is just not enough. I, I really wish that you can know in your heart how much I appreciate you. And I'm so grateful that I got to meet you and I just want you to know that I, I cherish that, honestly, even though we just barely met kind of thing, but I, I really do. And I love what you're doing. Thank you. I received that. And I think it's important for your listeners to feel if they aren't 
uh, noticing how heart centered you are as a, as a person and as a host, I don't think everybody has that quality. So, um, thank thank you you for that. Thank you. Well, okay. Well, thank you for your time today, Garrett and, uh, listeners. Thank you for spending more time with me again today. Please reach out to Garrett, uh, check her out, check out her, her coaching platforms and the things that she's doing. You'll love it. And, uh, especially if you're struggling or trying to find, you know, your way out of that, maybe rut you find yourself in, she would be a fantastic person for her to help you get through that. And, uh, so please reach out to her and I want, I want my listeners to know that I love you and you guys have been so loyal and it just keeps growing. I can't believe where we're at. You know, again, the universe is paying us, I guess, you know, right. And, uh, and we get amazing people like Garrett on. And, um, so please reach out to her. And again, once again, I love you guys and Garrett, once again, thank you for your time. Best of luck with everything you're doing. And I'm here to support you any way that I can from, all the way out here in Utah. So (laughs) I'll do my best to keep doing that. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Okay. There you go, guys. Until next time.